Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Beth, Justin Rehammer, Peter Arante, and Nathan Romanoff. Our topics today include the MLB All-Star Game is right around the corner. Sam will give us the breakdown on the Midsummer Classic. Breaking news in the NFL, Baker Mayfield is finally heading to a new team. Justin will give us the very latest with crew reaction and some changes in the college football landscape. We'll have the very latest on what that means for the rest of the NCAA college football. Now, here's Sam Bet Sam, it's been a while, my friend. What's going on in Major League Baseball? Well, Major League Baseball, on July 19th, we have the MLB All-Star Game. This is kind of one of my favorite weekends. Uh, well, not really weekend, but it's coming in on Tuesday, but it's one of my favorite kind of like periods of the MLB season. You have the off-season, you kind of have the little break there. Um, you have a lot of festivities going around. You usually have the celebrity softball game. You have the, the Futures game coming up, which I'm really excited for. I see a lot of young prospects kind of playing that game, but then we have the main event. We have the All-Star Game. This is where some of the best players in the MLB currently uh, kind of take the stage with each other and go at it and kind of see who is the dominant uh, side here, the NL or the AL. Uh, this year, for the managing sides, for the AL, we have Dusty Baker, and for the NL, we have Brian Snicker, as both of those teams were in the World Series in 2021. Uh, those were the winning division sides. That's how that usually goes. Uh, usually the AL wins, Jake. Uh, the, they won a lot in the Pretty past. dominant recently. Pretty yeah, dominant. Yeah, they're pretty recently. dominant as they've kind of destroyed the NL in the recent years. But it's all, it's always a new year, and it's always something different. And today, all the rosters were revealed. Uh, we'll go over maybe some players who were snubbed, but I know, I know one particularly. Me and Jake might be thinking on the same wavelength if we know. If, I think he might know. Oh, okay. But, I th- well, I think so. If we we'll, go through, we'll then. get we'll get there. We'll get there. I kind of want to highlight some of the top players, and it's kind of some interesting ones too. Obviously, you have guys like for the AL starters. We have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jose Altuve, Rafael Devers. Those guys, I mean, they're the top players in the AL right now. They're there. They're probably predicted to be in those spots. But we have Alejandro Kirk from the Blue Jays as the starting catcher. Phenomenal season so far. Phenomenal season. And I mean, we saw him a a little bit uh, last season, kind of, and he was doing really well last season. This year, he's really taken off. I really like him. He's a very young, he's a young player. Didn't really get too much time, like I said, last season, but I really am excited to see how he does in this All-Star game, too. Shohei Otani, kind of going in that DH role. I don't know if we'll see Otani pitch, maybe. Probably not, just because of how, like, the... um, how things go for him start for starting wise like w- with the angels and stuff like that but obviously seeing him in the dh role would be is really nice i don't know if he'll be in the home run derby either that's another um event that kind of comes up in that week but we could see guys like i would Ooh, probably I say not for the home run derby because of his power you know numbers but definitely dh probably could pitch too definitely exciting to see him in there who i would like to see in the home run derby and is also um in the reserve spot 
for the American League is Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. This kid, this rookie is on fire. He's one of the t- he's probably in the top ten rookies for the whole season, even at the top spot possibly for rookie of the year. He has a lot of power. He's very fast. I'd love to see him maybe swipe a couple of bases and crush maybe a home run or two during this All Star game. As we go into the reserves also for the American League, Jose Trevino for the Yankees, kind of Mr. Walkoff here for the Yankees recently, has uh, two or three walkoffs that has helped the Yankees win this season. I mean, I, I'm sure he'll get a couple at-bats. Usually for the reserves, they get one or two at-bats we've seen, but maybe he comes in and he walks it off for the AL. Who knows? I'd love to see him play. Xander Bogart. You know what, Sam? What's up? Peter likes scores raising his hand over there. I just don't, I just don't want to, like, completely cut Sam off here, but, you know, you brought cut up the off. Yankees. Let him know. <laughs> Let him know you're you there, You brought Peter. up the Yankees, right, and you brought up how the AL is usually dominant. I think the Yankees are bringing some sort of big edge for the AL this year. The Yankees have been extremely, extremely hot, give or take, and, you know, like you're saying, there's so much raw power on that team. I mean, like, I can mention one name with Aaron Judge, and that's pretty much encapsulates the Yankees' year this year. I mean, they were crushing home run after home run after home run. So, you know, talking in this all-star game and the Yankees, man, yikes. The Yankees. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, power for this AL team, especially when you there said is, Aaron Judge. John Carlos Stanton also takes that other outfield spot. They're probably going to be on the corners there in right and left field. And they're going to bring – they might – they got the hot bats. They're going to bring the power. Like I said, Jose Trevino, a lot of a couple of Yankees guys on this team, so we'll see. Well, they're they're gonna be here and they're gonna be ready to bring the power. Well, if we go to the NL starters, this is actually kind of a surprise here. We have Wilson Contreras and we have his brother. We have his brother here, William Contreras. This is kind of the first. I think I was reading something earlier. This is the first time that two brothers will be starting side by side on a All Star team. Um, unfortunately, Bryce Harper did win the vote for the DH spot. However, he's dealing with a fractured uh, thumb uh, after being hit by a 97 mile per hour fastball by Blake Snell. A couple freaking of, uh, pitchers, a week. bro! It's all the time. Jake, how long was that? Was that like a week ago? Week and a half? I two. think it was two two weeks. Two, two. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah which is very yeah. unfortunate. We're hoping to see uh, as Phillies fans, we hope to see him back at some point soon. Hopefully in late Man. August, early September, but he has then, declared he, he will be back. He, so. he, 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 he has declared it. He declared it. So we'll see how William Contreras here. He's been. He was in the second spot voting. But I mean, Bryce Harper had that wrapped up pretty tightly there. But William Contreras was in the second spot for voting. Obviously, he's going to get it. He's had some power this year too. I mean, in his first like three games or so, he had like a couple home runs. I know. And he was it so right off the bat he was getting high and I like I've liked how he's played definitely coming up. His brother uh William uh Wilson Contreras obviously has been a big bat for the Chicago Cubs for many years too. So it'll be nice to see the brothers kind of slugging it out there for the end. Yeah, and I, I know that they have um you know they have the I saw the meeting that they had when the Cubs played the Braves the other week at, at home play. That that's just that's just great when you're able to to share that experience with with a sibling or of course, you know, the big story with the Griffies back in the day, the father father son kind of thing. That that's just great and, you know, be having sports to be able to, to do that and, and brothers uh playing together and the competing together on the same team finally get to do it in the midsummer classic. You know what's awesome in all sports 
forced to see that, like, family just meeting. You know, like, you see it all the time in the NFL. Like, the brothers are battling out, and they're fighting each other in the, in the game. But at the end of the game, their family get it. And I think that's amazing. Like, with baseball, you know, they're finally getting to the opportunity to play as a unit together. You know, undoubtedly, when they were little, they were playing baseball together in the backyard. So, you know, it's kind of like that. Hey, we get to bring back these memories from when we were little, which is pretty awesome. I like how sports can do that. Oh, definitely, yeah. For the NL, we still got a couple more guys. Jazz Chisholm and Trey Turner. Jazz Chisholm, a young player, uh, was a rookie last year. He's definitely bursting on the scene for that Marlins team. Keeping them hot, not keeping them uh, active, not too. Obviously, the Marlins struggling a little bit, but Jazz Chisholm is one of those bright spots on the team. Got it. Got to like Jazz. You oh, got to like, like Jazz. jazz. You like Jazz? Like Jazz. I like Jazz. <laughs> I, like jazz. I like when Jazz does the Euro step into the home plate oh, there. Oh, man, that's so smooth. That's so smooth. And you got all the old heads chirping about it. I, I, I love it. He, he he plays with so much swag. It's, yeah, it's, it's a new so game, awesome. dude. It's a new, it's a new era. It's a new game. Paul Goldschmidt has been on fire for this Cardinals team. Obviously, the Phillies are playing them right now. He didn't. He had off today. Albert Pujols was in there, but Paul Goldschmidt has been on fire. I think he's he's batting like in the three forties. His OPS. Was he's my ball. MVP so far in the National League. What he's doing with that Cardinals team in the middle of that order, like you mentioned, Sam, the high average, but not only that, the OPS. He's walking. He's getting on base. He's uh, scoring runs, playing his usual phenomenal first base defense, doing it all for that team offensively that's really struggled around him to start. Some of those guys, like Nolan Arenado has done really well for that team, but the top four guys in the lineup today, obviously the, the Cardinals won, unfortunately, against the Phillies, but for that lineup, it was like the top four guys were batting above 200, and then the bottom six weren't even batting close to we're like 50 30 points away from 200 so i mean for that for the offense that's struggling right now to have him creating that offense and making making those plays perfect for that team all right if we look at the national league reserves here uh, a couple more nolan arenado is on that national league reserve team i mean like we were just talking about paul goldschmidt here nolan arenado is also keeping that uh, Cardinals offense alive here. Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, both representing the Mets. I mean, that Mets team's been leading the division Phenomenal. for a long time, unfortunately. And those two have been keeping it. Uh, they've been keeping the, that Mets team perfectly in first. CJ Crone for the Rockies. Uh, he was leading the NL in home runs for a little bit. But now Kyle Schwarber is recently the new Phillies representative for the All-Star team. He is now leading with 28 home runs, if I'm correct, which is a lot before the All-Star game. That's nuts. You know what? And here's the thing. He deserves it, too. That man has been crushing homers all through the month of June. I'm ready for all through the month of July. You know what? He's living up to his name, and he's... His bat is hot, so it's, you know, Ju- it's June fortieth. It's June fortieth. He keeps it home 40th. runs. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber, Schwartz. Yeah. He had to be in there, and he should be in yeah, the home run should. derby. If uh, if they didn't announce the, I, I, I don't know if just about I don't to say he belongs no, in the home run derby. Home run derby. Okay, okay. Well, he should be in that. He, he should, should be, be in that. I would I would say he should. And you know what? I would go as far to say he'd be a contender for one of the top finishing spots because. He's got the power. Peter with the with the takes. The take. The take man Definitely. tonight, Peter. I mean, Kyle Schwarber in the beginning of the season was not hitting very well under 200. 
He has risen his average to around 220. Still still has some improvement to go, but I mean, with a league-leading 28 home run. Yeah, he hasn't been the average guy, though, Sam. You look at his OPS, you look at his on-base, he likes, is one of the leaders in the league in walks, home well, it's runs. Kind of like a, it's kind so, of like a yeah. Joey Gallo-type guy. I mean, yeah. you want to see him hit that home run, especially in that leadoff spot. He's been excellent so far in that leadoff spot, being able to— He's been killing it. You want to talk about a man who's new to the Phillies and stepping up? You got him, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, then we also got guys. Starling Marte has been really good for that Mets team. Another representative for them, Juan Soto. Ian Happ for the Cubs, representing them, is a really nice. He he's kind of been up and down late in the past couple seasons, but he's really picked it up as well, and it's nice to see him. Guy to guy to keep an eye on with the trade deadline coming up. He's a guy that I think many teams, especially with the Cubs being where they're at, could look to to upgrade center field. He also has experience playing second, third, bat that can bat from both sides, speed too. Guy that, that many teams could want, many contending teams. He's a versatile player. You know, he's exactly. one of those guys that can do it all, as they say. If we look at the American League pitchers, all the pitchers were announced, too. Shane McClanahan and Nestor Cortez are the first two that pop up right here. They have been phenomenal pitchers. Uh, two guys who could be up for the AL Cy Young, especially Nestor Cortez with the season he's had. Shane McClanahan was a rookie last season. He's bursted onto the scene. You should see, I like watching Shane McClanahan pitch, or I've seen highlights of him. He can he, he throws the ball hard. And he, he has nice off-speed stuff as well that keeps guys – it keeps them off balance, that's for sure. Alec Manoa, Framber Valdez are a couple guys. Paul Blackburn for the Athletics is another guy. Uh, you, I wouldn't expect, have expected Paul Blackburn to be an all-star, but he's really picked it up for that Athletics team that's been struggling this season. Got guys Verlander, Cole Otani is listed as an American League pitcher. Again, don't know if we'll really see him pitch that much. For some relievers, Clay Holmes for that Yankees team. I remember when he was a pirate, kind of just like in the back there. But he, but when a, with the Rolls Chapman being hurt recently, he's he came in and he dominated in that kind of in that closing spot there and really helped uh, secure some wins. Uh, Emmanuel Classe, class. I'm not sure if I'm saying Class A. Yeah, Classe. I think so. Gregory Soto for the Tigers and Jorge Lopez for the Jorge Orioles. Jorge Lopez. That's I think the one that catches my eye the most. The Orioles. Lopez has been phenomenal out of the pen. The Orioles, of course, as a whole on the winning streak. Was it seven, eight game, eight games now? Please eight. Yeah, uh, one game under 500, playing very well. And yeah, Lopez has been a key part. Their offense is scoring more runs. But again, I think the pitching has been the most most impressive so far. You know what, Sam? I don't even want to talk about National League pitchers. Let's, <laughs> let's not. Let's not. I'm bitter, bro. I am so bitter. Uh, as Phillies fans are a little better, but we'll go over them. Um, we have Clayton Kershaw. Sandy, Al- Sandy Alcantara has been amazing for this Marlins team. Cy Young, man. He's my Cy Young pick right now. I definitely think he's in the lead for that Cy Young. He's bursting on the scene. He's been in the league. He he struggled with this Marlins team like it, like his first few seasons. He's always been a dominant pitcher. Just the win record and the ERA may not have reflected it in his early days. But right now, he is on top of the world here. And I'd love to see. I'd, I would say he will win the Cy Young. Um, it's a shame he's on the Marlins. After the All-Star break. Well, I mean, I, I you you gotta he has the killer instinct, man. I've seen these videos, you know. He's he's barking in the dugout, you know. He's like, I want the ball. I want 
the effing ball, man. And and he and he wants it. And and he wants it. And and that's that's great to see out of a starting pitcher going eight, nine innings, throwing a hundred pitches. He he wants the ball on the mound and, and that's why he's having so much success and that's why as you mentioned, Sammy's probably leading the case to the Cy Young. He's a foundational piece for that team. In the words of Dwayne Rock Johnson, it's about drive, it's about power. We also got Corbin Burns. Luis Castillo is an interesting one to see. I would have liked to see Zach Wheeler in that spot instead of uh, Luis Castillo. Yeah, That's let's just, just let's just let's just undermine Zach hey, Wheeler, hey. who's I mean, may, I mean, uh, no, a future no, future Philly him. making it in over a current one. It's fine. Future Philly oh. making it in over a current one. That's fine by me. Fine by me. Oh, uh, we got Max Free. Tony Gonsolin's also been another guy who's in the Cy in the Cy Young talk. Uh, he's been really dominant. He's been more dominant than. Clayton Kershaw and some of these other Dodgers pitchers. He's but he's been le- he I think he was leading the NL in ERA if I'm if I'm correct. But uh he's been really dominant. Joe Musgrove's been another dominant pitcher for the Padres, really bolstering that rotation there. We we have a couple relievers in Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, he's been a dominant pitcher for the Brewers, uh at, coming out of that bullpen in the closing spot. Ryan Heasley for the Cardinals, he they, this guy throws gas for sure, throwing hundred Throwing 100 miles per hour with that fastball. David Bednar and Joe Mant- and um, Mantiply are rounding that out. Uh, we got a good, we got a nice solid roster here, Jake, uh, for both teams. I want to make a prediction. Who do you think is going to win this one? You know what? The dominance ends now. National League comes out on top. Really? Six to five. Uh, Six to wow. five in LA. Yes. All right. I'm going to go with the American League again. I'm going with the American League, and you know, I'm going to say like. I'm gonna say five to three, five to three AL. I want, I want the runs. Let's get the runs. The like fans to, love the runs. Long hey, ball. You know what? Do it too. I, I'm a big fan of rooting for upsets, underdogs. Let's go National League. Let's go. You know what? I like Jake six to five, but I don't want to be a copycat. So I'm gonna say five to four. I'm gonna take a point away from each team. Five to four. I, I like I like seeing home runs and stuff like that, but when it's competition where it's the best of the best playing the best of the best, you know that. It may or may not be a slug fest because you know you got really good defensemen, really good pitchers, and at the same time you got really good hitters on the other side of things. So let's say five to four National League. The only ever time I'll ever root for a team that the Mets are on. When it's the entire league. Yeah, great logic. The only time you'll find me rooting for the Mets is when they're encapsulated by the entire National League. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, We got some legacy uh, people, too. We got Albert Pujols for the NL, and we also have um, Miguel Cabrera for the AL. Uh, Those are especially picked by the MLB commissioner, I believe. They have been, just because of their long time standing in the MLB and with their last uh, seasons coming up, uh, at least for Albert Pujols, this will be his last season, I believe. Yeah, well, well deserved, well deserved. I think it's great. And, you know, I know we're not going to, I see Justin over there getting a bit anxious on, on his spot, but uh, but just wanted to mention, I did see something with Buck Showalter about possibly instituting a utility position in the All-Star game. You know, in the future, I know that was discussed, of course, not by the higher-ups, but you know, something to consider, like a Chris Taylor, you know, Scott Kingry, what we imagine Scott Kingry to be, you know, that kind of utility position, you know, guys that play, yeah, Matt Veeling, uh, but yeah, possibly something that in- institute as well, looking at, you know, 
Pujols Cabrera, the additions later on. Well, thank you, Sam, for your insight. We'll keep track on those scores for the Midsummer Classic, which one holds true as we enter the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Breaking news in the NFL, a progressive commercial icon and also quarterback as well, Baker Mayfield, is on the move. Justin, where is he going? And what 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 are we, what was he traded up for? Because in my opinion, a bag of chips and a few pens there. Oh, that would have been an improvement, Jacob. I'm telling you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, Justin, take it away. Take yeah. it away after that back and forth. The Cleveland Browns, they traded Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, the first overall pick in the 2018 draft to the Carolina Panthers for a single. Let him do a playoff win. You want yeah, him to play? I game. know. They he got them to the playoffs first time in what, eighteen years? Twenty years? years? Yeah. Be, yeah, eighteen, twenty years. Yeah, and they traded into the Carolina Panthers for a conditional fourth or fifth round pick for not this year's draft, not the next year's draft, but the following twenty twenty four NFL draft. Piggybacking off what you said, they have to wait three, two two, three two ish years until they get to pick a rando from the fourth or fifth round for Baker Mayfield. Now, I understand, and Nate's going to probably talk about this a little bit. Baker Mayfield isn't a top-tier player. We get it. He, Can we focus on you calling the rando the fourth? <laughs> 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 no one knows who's gonna be. You don't even know who's going to be, Peter, and you're already It could be somebody good. It could be somebody good. But fourth or so fifth round is not I where apologize. you find stars hey, most that's where the front office shines, Justin. Yeah, that's where Bill and Belichick picks off And the Browns have clearly shown not to be a great front office with well, this move. Well, I'm not two denying that. Now, you know what? You know what? <laughs> all right. All right. Two years from now, we can look back on this and let's just say I apologize to the person who's drafted in the spot of Baker Mayfield's conditional round pick. You, I, I wish you the best. But anyway, restarting. Well, I mean, the Panthers might not have been any better, but yeah, go on. Go on. True. But Baker Mayfield isn't an Aaron Rodgers. He isn't a Patrick Mahomes. He's not a Josh Allen. We get it. He's he's a maybe he's mid maybe. he's mid just say he's it mid. he's mid he's mid. mid he's mid he's mid but here's the thing the Browns in my opinion shot themselves in the foot you don't honestly don't know what's gonna happen with Deshaun Watson and in my personal opinion not to go on a soapbox but if you don't give Deshaun Watson more than a six to even ten game suspension that looks very bad. On the front office, because you're giving guys like Calvin Ridley, who bet a grand on games, a full year suspension, but a man who has been who has been accused of doing very horrendous things during his personal time and to other people, twenty four times. You cannot tell me that's not worth at least a six to ten game suspension, or in my opinion, it should be a full year. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Inevitably. they Fine. they might not have a quarterback next season. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Uh, just that, looking at their looking at their depth chart, you know, you have Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, and Joshua Dobbs. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, he's okay. They must have yeah, they must have trust in him to get it done. That that's my opinion. And yeah. as the Browns, you just shot yourself in the foot. You you made an impulsive decision. Sure, Baker wasn't the answer for a starter. I get it. Deshaun is better. I get it when he when he when he's actually got some time on the field. But you can't just go ahead and trade away your only guarantee of a quarterback for the season before you know what's going to happen to your other guarantee. 
Yeah. That's just my point of view. I just I want to like I feel like you're missing the big point here. Baker Mayfield didn't want to stay with the Browns. They had to move him. No, he didn't no, want to be there, Peter. So the Browns had to move him. They couldn't hold on to him. As a, he didn't want to play. He didn't want to and play. And the longer him. and longer it drew on, the less and I less they were going not, to get it's for. It's not necessarily yeah. a good trade from their standpoint, considering yeah, he was their first overall pick a few years ago, but still yeah but he's not going to play because he's going to be kept second fiddle and be a at replacement the same time, guy I this mean, if they were going to do this they should have done it when they made the decision to get deshaun Watson. Deshaun. they should have made the move right there to be like okay we're going to get rid of baker but yeah, what they they, they, they waited on. too long and they had to they, find they had to find somebody to move him too though Justin. they get basically Easily nothing for Panthers. a decent player Easily the Panthers. I think that the Panthers would have oh, accepted that trade a while ago. Great trade for the Panthers. I'm not denying yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. an upgrade. On and the other side, opinion, the, yeah, on the other say, side over there, upgrade. the Panthers, their quarterback room has really improved now. You know, yeah. They used to have Sam Donald, Matt Coral, P.J. Walker. Now they have Baker Mayfield in there. So yeah. you can imagine they're probably not going to hold on to Sam Donald for much longer, maybe a month the or so. The ultimate hype, man. The yeah. ultimate now, I don't Baker know about Mayfield. that, Justin. Well, you, what's you the mentioned... point of having two people getting paid a quarterback salary on your team? Although I think that Sam Donald is a pretty viable backup quarterback. I think that, you know, sure he wants to start. Sure, every quarterback in the league wants to start. But I think that Baker Mayfield is an improvement from Sam Donald. Although At the end not of the day, though, it's, it's all about cap space because they're both taking yeah. up a similar amount of cap space. So you're going to have to probably move one of them in order to keep your team in a good spot. So it's probably going to be Sam Donald that they're going to get rid of. You know what? They should have honestly pulled a Detroit LA where they just swap quarterbacks here. You can have Donald. We'll take Baker. That you know what that would have solved Cleveland's QB. But then you're problem. still paying a lot of money for Darnold when you know you got Deshaun Watson over here that you're paying through the nose. And He's also, I'd rather have team. Jacoby Brissett than Sam Darnold right now. Yes, I said that. <laughs> yes. The thing, the thing with Cleveland is they have the peripheral talent of running backs, wide receivers, and the yeah. like. Yeah. It's just you know Baker Probably struggled offensive scheme. Who knows? Yeah, really. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Kareem Hunt a free agent this year, or is that not so? Might be. I, I don't as know. As far as I know. Because I think I saw something on ESPN so. about it. But he's still there, yeah. So I think I think something wanted to mention, too, and Justin mentioned the quarterback room. Matt Corral, they drafted him in this, this past year's draft. What does that mean for him in terms of his development you have now? These two guys, struggling veteran now, you know, kind of both guys heading towards that. I don't want to say journeyman yet, but still struggling to find their identity. You've got Baker, who had his phenomenal season. Sam Donald, who hasn't even really unleashed that. You've got Corral, this rookie, who could be the future of the team. Like, where do you go from there? Is he that kind of backup who, or is Baker the guy, and you're just kind of telling him, okay, you're this expendable this, backup for, kind for of For Carolina, this could be a year where they take three quarterbacks on their roster. I'm not saying it's going to be Darnold, but I just know that this is probably a season where they say, okay, we're going to have three because we're going to be cautious. We want to keep our rookie, but at the same time, we also want to have a backup, a good backup that can win us some games in case we're, you know, in the mix, and then a starter and, you know, just have him... Play those because games. look at the division they're in right now. I mean, it's really not that strong. Not like it used to be. 
The Falcons lost Matt Ryan. They picked up Marcus Mariotis' replacement. You know, obviously, if Tom Brady... They could easily find a way to get into the second spot in that division. Look at a wild card. Because the Saints, you know, it's not looked that nice since Drew Brees. I mean, who knows what James Winston's going to be like coming back off an injury this year. So, it's hard to tell. You know what, though? It's interesting because two things that were kind of brought to my attention as you guys were talking. The Saints did pick up Tyron Matthew, which is huge for that defense. And did Jarvis Landry go to the Saints? Or is that just... So Jarvis Landry is a pretty decent wide receiver upgrade for that offense. Another thing that was kind of triggered in my mind is what Justin said about this new quarterback. Here's the thing. Although it's not great, great mentorship... I could see them keeping the three quarterbacks because having somebody with experience, we'll put it that way, having somebody with experience like Baker Mayfield, who did go to the playoffs, so I'm not going to take, I'm not going to make him seem like he's a terrible quarterback. Sure, he's mid, but he's still got veteran experience. He's got veteran experience he could pass on to the rookies. And, you know, as decent as Sam Darnold is, I guess he could provide some, a little bit of insight on being newer to the game, you know, and just having experience. I can see how Justin's Justin's prediction of having a three-quarterback room isn't too far of a spit away, but I also think that the mention of worrying about cap space that Justin brought up too is a concern. But either way, I think that you keep Baker as your starter, your primary starter, and you just go from there. You you veter- you have the veterans teach Matt Corral, right? You have them teach him, kind of show him the ropes. And I guess you go from there. But I think that a three QB room wouldn't be too far from accurate this year. I would like to bring uh, this up real quick because you guys are all so quick to jump to saying that Baker is their for sure starter. And whilst I agree he's better than Sam Darnold, I'm not going to go out there as of right now and say that. Carolina is going to start him week one over Sam Darnold purely because did have he's did new. say quarterback competition. I yeah, think it's a quarterback competition. Place. Baker's just coming into this team. It's a new. It's new. It's a new team. A new system. They have to learn. Sam After Darnold's a rough season, there. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sam's been there. Um, you know, they saw what he had last year. Uh, I think the team overall is a little better going into this year. And you know, I think that they might start Sam Darnold when it comes week one. As of right now, again, I don't know. But I'm not so sure that Baker is a surefire starter come week one, like you guys are. No, I'm I can see a QB right competition. Now. I think it's a competition. I can see a QB competition, but you got to feel for these receivers, man. They, uh, they can <laughs> never know who their quarterback's going to be. Poor Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. One week is Sam Darnold, the next week is Cam Newton, the next, now it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Like they're, they're all over the place. They can't stick with one quarterback. And I kind of feel for these young, like these talent, like, Robbie Anderson is a good receiver when it comes down to it, along with DJ Moore. And these guys just want a reliable quarterback to throw them the ball. And I feel for this wide receiver room, it's kind of it's got to be tough trying to learn each different quarterback's kind of way of playing. Like Cam Newton certainly has a different style of playing than Sam Darnold did. And it's I, running the I, ball. Exactly. <laughs> And I'm sure that Sam Donald That's and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And I'm sure that Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield have a different style of play, although more similar than Sam Donald and Cam. But still, I think I feel for these receivers on how difficult it might be to transition once again. They could just end up rolling with both those guys during the season, and you know, see how they each play, and 
come the end of the season, next off season, they you know, based on this year, they decide, all right, this is the guy we want to keep and hang on to, and this guy we're going to let, you know, as Jake put it, you know, well, he becomes kind of the journeyman, you know? Yeah, that's not, that's not a bad idea there, Nate. Because, like you said, Matt it looks Corral, like uh, the Eagles aren't the only him. team with a quarterback factory, I guess. Uh, Eagles aren't the only team. Panthers, Panthers know what's up. Well, thank, thanks, Justin, again, for your insight. Uh, we'll, we'll monitor the situation for both teams, how it plays out. And, uh, yeah, we have one last one last topic of the day, college football. While in the offseason, while recruits are going left, right, and center across the country, big news uh, out of, I guess you could say, the uh, Pac-12 going to the Big Ten. UCLA and USC have plans to join the Big Ten. Nate, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, 2024 season they will be joining the the big 10 officially this is you know among a slew of other you know decisions teams moving from personally me american uh, teams in the american athletic conference to the big 12 guys are our reactions to to the movement not only i guess for these two teams specifically but what it means for college football as a whole you know, I gotta ask Nate, and you know, I don't, I don't want to be rude to Justin, but he doesn't really follow college football as much as Nate does. Nate going to Penn State, being a Big Ten school, how do you feel about this? And and of course, I know Justin goes there as well, but you being more on the college football train, what what are your thoughts on this? Like, what what are you feeling as a Penn State fan, as a Big Ten follower, I should say? By the way, I'm deeply hurt that you did not say me. <laughs> I'm so Justin sorry, is offended. Justin. Yeah. Justin is offended by your decision. And you too, Justin. Don't worry, we're going to get Justin uh, acquainted this upcoming football season. You know, he's going to be at every home game with the boys, so he'll be ready. But how do I feel about it? It's, it's interesting. You know, from a competition standpoint, it's great. I mean, you're adding two programs that are two of the probably the best in the Pac-12 um, has to offer. You're adding them to the Big Ten. It's great. Competition-wise, USC just probably got the higher of the year. They got Lincoln Riley to flip from Oklahoma to USC. That's going to be great for recruiting for them. So, you know, having them join the Big Ten uh, with him especially, competition is going to be great. But it doesn't. It does also, you know, raise some issues. USC and UCLA are both West Coast uh, LA schools. Whereas you have most of the Big Ten teams here, uh, Eastern Standard Time or, you know, in the Midwest. So travel for these athletes, you know, you're going to have long, you know, I'm sure you're going to have some layovers. You're going to have jet lag from certain places. Imagine having to go from Rutgers to, you know, UCLA to play a football game. Middle of the week. Like Thursday, Friday night game. Thursday, Friday night game. You know, that's going to be rough um, for those players. That's a weekend of travel right there. Yeah, as a student perspective, that's going to be really tough. Oh, yeah. Because it's not like the NFL where it's their job, you know. Like, these players, they have responsibilities. They're student athletes. They're students before they're athletes. So that's going to be tough. Yeah, exactly. So Then the schools are going to have to definitely adjust to that, too. The, The schools are, like, I know, like, Sometimes these student athletes do like a different program where they their days are like aligned with where they can do practice and whatever. It's now going to have to take a turn and adjustment for their schooling to, you know, fly to L.A. or fly to University of Southern California. You know, all these teams that 
are like, you know, and even the kids who are in Los Angeles or California are going to have to come on over and change their schedules. So I think that, like Justin said, it's going to be tough on the, them academically too. Yeah, I think overall that's the biggest downside of the, the whole, you know, um, transition um, for them. But it's been approved already. It's going to happen as Jake said in 2024. And as college football as a whole, what I feel like this means, you know, really to me it looks like we're heading towards – I hate to say it, but two mega super conferences in the that's SEC. What I was super that's, conference. That's what I wanted to ask you, Nate, because when I was looking at the, I I looked at I looked at this a little bit. I was like, this doesn't. Oh, you did really... your research, Sam? Is that what I'm saying? Mean? Oh, wow. I read an article. Doesn't do it for himself, read, like but it does it for us. I was like, this doesn't make too much sense to me. Like, why this is yeah. happening? And then, like you said, that is the possibility that two well, big um, kind of divisions in college football are kind of gonna arise from this. Yeah, because I mean, look what triggered this all you can easily go back to is Texas and Oklahoma leaving the big 12 and going to the sec. Um, and I believe it's going to happen in 2025. So you can see that triggered a whole slew of things, which include, you know, the American conference, um, Cincinnati, Houston, yep. and I was, I think it's UCF yeah. going to the big 12. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. those departures obviously affected yeah, uh, the American, you know, it's going to affect the smaller conferences. Eventually you're going to get to the point where, you know, big schools are going to just move, I think, to these conferences, Big Ten, SEC, because they want to compete. They want to get to the playoff. And you only got four spots right now. And the way I look at it, it's going to be, well, if you don't play in the Big Ten or the SEC, your schedule's not going to no be sh- hard enough. You no know? shot. Yeah, you really don't have a shot at making that playoff unless it's expanded, which, as of right now, that has not happened. So. I think overall. So what you're saying is it's a result of the playoff. It's the playoff structure and fault of four teams has really trickled down to the, this conference. I think mess. it's contributed, Jake. I really do. Yeah, Just look I, at I, it. I agree. Yeah, I think there's the facts are there. Can you see the two big leagues being the Big Ten and the SEC? Well, yeah, because... I think you'd have to have say to. so. I that's mean, you I look would, at that, the ACC... Yeah, yeah, with Clemson, but Clemson, you know, there, there's conversations of them moving on. Got Notre Dame as that always Who knows what's team, their but they've never, yeah. yeah, they've never claimed a conference. Yeah, so it's like they're not really a competition if you look at the talent-wise, stack by stack now. I mean, Pac-12, you know, as much as Oregon has been, been good, Washington has been good in years, USC, they, those two teams moving on, I mean, they, you know been there as well but they haven't made it to this as a fellow Oregon fan yeah you know it hurts them from a competition perspective and there's even been rumors floated around now that Washington and Oregon are going to look to leave so you know (laughs) they might look to join the Big Ten I I, you know as well um I see that probably more likely than the SEC but I get the you know joke there to spite USC and UCLA (laughs) go to the SEC but it's it's crazy, man, and this doesn't just affect football, guys. This is all college sports, you know. I was gonna say, I was gonna say this. This definitely has to affect other college sports, like basket, like midweek soccer games, basketball, basketball. And what's interesting, what's interesting now about the basketball thing is the NCAA March Madness tournament. Like, sure, like you know, teams from all around. You know, you got Clemson, you got sometimes Penn State, you got you know teams like Kansas and all that 
does it? I don't know. I mean, this could be a conversation for later. USC Trojans coming out of the East yeah, region. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the like, does it change March Madness? Does it change, like, baseball rotation? It changes everything. And just some other thing to think about. And maybe you, if you, you would have to make the two divisions if it were to be a two division, college football, whatever, college sport thing. If it, if it were to be a two division thing, you would have to even out the number of teams. Like, they would have the equal number of teams. All on about each keeping it even with Mr. Almirante over there. Gotta keep it but even. But it's true. It's true. You can have like 16 teams well, on the SEC. And you know, like, well, I mean, we're scheduling yeah. and stuff. Yeah. They can work it out. And it's no longer even the big Since 10. the divisions the are not. 16 yeah. at this point. I mean. Yeah, really. But it's just, it's what it looks like. You know, nobody's going and saying, oh. There's definitely two big super leagues. No, yeah, oh but yeah, that's oh one yeah, that's from every fan's future, perspective. Future thought. You know, that's you're looking it at it. You know, like, that's, coming, what it's, yeah. that's what you sense is coming in. You know, I, th- I think at this rate, there's no stopping it. Basically, it's already begun. The history of sports is changing it's in front of our eyes, begun. boys. It's already begun. It's changing in front of our yeah. eyes. And I think I also I want to I want to point this. I think it really is going to delegitimize um, bowl games. I think it's going to affect oh, the bowl yeah, season. Sure. I mean, look, oh, the Rose yeah. Bowl has Even traditionally more. been played between the winners of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. If, you know, well, how, I mean, you got if teams the from the Pac-12 joining the Big Ten. So, so, I mean, come on. Big Ten you? versus Big Ten Rose Bowl. Yeah, Woo. exactly. So <laughs> it's just a move that really comes down to, I think, teams want to be playoff eligible. They want to make that push. They see other teams moving. You have to move if you want chance to make it basically you know, for those big schools and don't forget money's also always important in these things so oh my they're gonna follow the money buddy they're gonna follow the money no matter what at the end of the day it's all about the money well that will do it for today's episode of the lunch hour sports podcast thank you for listening and thank you anchor for again sponsoring this episode of the lunch hour sports podcast for future episodes, follow uh, follow us on YouTube and on Spotify. All of our episodes are over there. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.